Welcome to the Educate, Empower, and Evolve podcast. My name is Haley Vera, and I'm a lifestyle coach with my roots in holistic nutrition, personal training, and yoga. I'm admittedly a total nerd with a huge passion for gut health and optimizing human performance naturally. If you feel like you're drowning in the information available to you online, come hang out with me on the E3 podcast every single week and learn simple, effective strategies to help you balance your hormones, increase your energy, heal your guts, and optimize your mindset. I promise to provide you with science-backed knowledge and new perspectives so that you can make empowered decisions for both your health and happiness and evolve into the best version of yourself possible. Thank you for tuning in and lending me your ears. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the E3 podcast. Today, we are going to be having a conversation that is very controversial. And I love having this conversation or any conversation that brings up a debate because there's always going to be an argument for either side. And that's why I love, honestly, being in the fitness industry, because when it comes to training, nutrition, supplementation, gut health, hormones, there are going to be you know so many different perspectives out there. And I find it truly fascinating to look at all these different perspectives and to try and understand you know what it is that we're like isolating and looking at. And I also want to just mention that it is easy to cherry pick evidence and to support a theory in doing that. So if I want to look at a study, for example, that says that, you know, meat protein is bad for you, I can isolate one marker in the body and find a study on that, cherry pick that evidence and present it to you in a way that would make you fearful of animal protein. But I could also go look for studies and look for the benefits of animal protein and find hundreds and millions of studies out there and present that to you on a silver platter with you know a key component or one marker in the body. And isolating that will you know make you believe that animal protein is good for you. And so you can see here that the the industry as a whole has this controversy because a lot of times what's happening is people are cherry picking evidence and presenting that to you on a silver platter and saying that their argument is correct based on this. Now, I want you to listen to this podcast with an open mind and understand that I am not here to bash caffeine because caffeine has incredible benefits for the mind and the body and even longevity. Actually, Dr. Rhonda Patrick did a really good podcast on how caffeine actually correlates to lower all-cause mortality, meaning lower risk of early onset disease and death, which is really cool, right? Like that's a really cool perspective to look at it from. But we can also talk about caffeine from the perspective of where is that caffeine, you know, coming from? It's not just coffee that we're talking about when we say caffeine. You know, there's energy drinks, there are energy shots, there are, you know, obviously like pre-workout stimulants, different things that we may include or incorporate into our lives that will come along with collateral damage. And that is where I want to take this podcast today. I want to talk about this concept or idea of caffeine killing your gains. Do I think that if you're drinking coffee or having pre-workout that you are going to be killing your gains? It is an it depends question. And that's why I cannot 
cherry pick evidence and tell you that, for example, taking pre-workout is going to mean that you build less muscle. Because that statement, isolated, is, or when we look at that as a whole, it's not true. It's not necessarily true. But we need to look at different things. You know, what's the strategy? What time of day are you taking it? How much total caffeine are you consuming? Those are the other factors that we need to look at to be able to understand this idea, this concept that I'm talking about today around is caffeine killing your gains? And that's the title of the podcast. But I had to lead this podcast with helping you guys to understand that cherry picked evidence doesn't do us any good. It only creates fear, aversion. And now while I love a good debate, and I obviously (laughs) out here to kind of stir the pot sometimes, I do also want to make sure that my listeners here are not living in fear and that they're operating from a place of empowered choice and decision. Like, is this something that I want to include into my life, whether it's because I enjoy it or because, you know, it benefits me in some way. So today I'm actually going to talk about some of the benefits of caffeine. And I'm also going to talk about some of the side effects of caffeine. We'll kind of go through it together. It's going to be fun. I did bring forward some like little numbers and statistics for you that I think will be fun to kind of toss around and discuss. But overall, what I would like you to understand is that when you're listening to this, I want you to think about how caffeine is incorporated into your life and lifestyle. And then also to have that, you know, really real conversation with yourself of, am I relying on it? Am I using it as a Band-Aid? Is it benefiting me? Am I using it safely and responsibly? Right. Or am I just, you know, kind of blindly using it and I don't even really know why? That's the question that I'd like you to ask yourself as we go through this information today. So let's first talk about, I'm going to just dive into the nerdy thing right off the get go because so many people, it's kind of like a divide. There's about, I'd say it's almost 40, 60 now that I think about it, where people will say that they are, you know, they're really irritated or very responsive to caffeine in a negative way. Like they get jittery, anxious, uncomfortable, sweaty. And then there's the people who feel great when they have a cup of coffee or some pre-workout. They feel alert. They feel focused. They feel like they have more mental clarity and power and energy overall. And so I want to talk about why that is. You know, why are we so different and why is there such a big divide? So I'm going to toss this thing out to you guys. You can Google it. It exists. It's the CYP1A2 gene. You're like, what the hell is that? So the CYP1A2 gene affects our body with caffeine. So people who have this gene, the CYP1A2 gene, are tend to have more negative effects, okay? So let's talk about why. So the AA genotype are the fast metabolizers of caffeine. So they process caffeine more quickly, and the slow metabolizers will process the caffeine more slowly, i.e. it stays in their bodies for longer. You might think, oh, that would be beneficial. However, the people who are slow metabolizers often have that like prolonged effect of caffeine where they stay nervous and anxious and it negatively impacts their nervous system to the point that they feel overstimulated and oftentimes will struggle to sleep if they've had even just a cup of coffee in the afternoon, right? So slow metabolizers of caffeine often don't feel good after they consume caffeine. Nervousness, anxiousness, Etc. And there's about 59% of people who are slow caffeine metabolizers. That's 60%. And when I think about myself with caffeine, I'm like fingers crossed that other 40%, to be completely honest. I haven't done a, a gene test to know or a DNA test to know if I have this, if I'm positive for this gene or not. 
but I know that when I drink coffee, I feel alert, focused, and I get a great workout. I typically don't take pre-workout. I actually just have a cup of coffee before I go to the gym. And that's the way that I like to operate. And I'll explain why throughout this podcast. However, there is a chance, a a large chance, a 60% chance, 59% chance that you are a slow metabolizer and you get anxious when you have caffeine, which means that you need to actually be very moderate with your caffeine consumption, take smaller doses. Say, for example, if you're having pre-workout, maybe it's a quarter scoop or a half scoop and not a full scoop for you. Or if you're having coffee, it's just a single shot and not a double shot, right? We need to be very mindful of that. And it's also important to understand that if you are a slow metabolizer and coffee gives you anxiety, it's your choice to either have it or not have it, right? You may not benefit from taking it because it may overstimulate your nervous system to the point where you're producing stress hormones chronically, and that will kill your gains because we know that cortisol production or constantly elevated levels of cortisol in our bloodstream will have a negative effect on our insulin sensitivity and a negative effect on muscle protein synthesis. And it will actually preserve fat tissue and can break down or I guess initiate or aggravate the breakdown of our muscle tissue, meaning that you are more catabolic. So Now, on the other side of that, if you're a fast metabolizer with the double A genotype, you're unlikely to get nervous or anxious after you drink coffee. You probably feel great. You're more likely to benefit from it as an athletic performance booster. Cool, hey? Just wanted to share that with you guys. And uh, that was actually something that I've recently learned and acquired. I love learning. But I'm studying with Dave O'Brien now, who is one of the leaders, in my mind anyways, in gut health. He is very cutting edge with his research and science. And actually you know, designing the software to be able to interpret and analyze blood work to understand the correlations of the blood markers and how those relate to things like H. pylori infections or parasitic overgrowth or negative gram bacteria overgrowth or, you know, low beneficial bacteria in the body. And right now, it's really cool. I get to do case studies with him. So I'll like send him clients blood work and he sends me back a report that identifies the problems. And then we'll sit down and do case studies together. And he discusses with me like what's going on underneath the surface. And it's absolutely mind blowing. I love it. It's incredible. I am, I would, I will study with Dave literally for the rest of my life if I can, because he blows my mind every time I speak to him. And he is the person who actually talked to me about people who get the jitters from caffeine. And those people are more likely to be the people who have that CYP1A2 gene slow metabolizers. And it's a large percentage of people. We were actually talking about liver enzymes and stuff when that came up, but I just wanted to share that. And obviously I tend to go off on tangents. So let's continue. Now, me personally, before I really started to prioritize my health over being skinny, now I really desperately wanted to shrink my body and be smaller. And I'll give you guys actually a little bit of a backstory on that because to you, it might not make a lot of sense. Now I'm like training to be as big and strong as possible. Maybe not, I don't want to say the word big, but like as strong as possible for sure. I want to have as much muscle as I can naturally, but I used to desperately want to be thin. And I think that part of it is growing up when as a young girl, you're like looking at magazines and things like that. And, you know, dainty and petite, and there wasn't a lot of presence of like women training in the gym that I can remember when I was in my early teens. And I was tall. I grew really, really fast when I was younger. I got a huge growth spurt in grade six, I remember. And I was taller than everyone in my class. There was one girl that was taller than me. And people called me spider legs because I had incredibly long legs for my torso. My legs grew first for some reason. And I was really fast and really tall. 
but I felt like like I, I was big because I was taller than a lot of the kids that were my age and some of the guys as well. And I also had what I would say as like an estrogen dominance, whether that was due to my diet as a young girl or influence of environment. I don't exactly know, but I had very large boobs for someone that was in their early teens. And I always felt really big because of that. Like I was literally 120 pounds in high school with like, I think it was like double D or E boobs. It was crazy. I actually had a breast reduction when I was 17. I'm not sure if I've shared that with you guys on the podcast before, but I used to desperately try to shrink my body. And I was trying to be smaller all the time. And every time I looked in the mirror, it was like I was overweight in my mind. And that is one of the big spirals that, you know, put me into this place where I was, you know, starving myself over exercising and then binging. And I know I've spoken about that recently on the podcast, but I used to prioritize coffee over food in the morning because I thought it was going to help me with fat loss. Now, this is a this is a big no, because in the morning, our cortisol actually increases naturally. We have the highest cortisol production in the morning and cortisol, you guys, just like anything, too much of anything becomes bad. But cortisol on its own is not bad. Actually, having some cortisol spike in the morning is good for you. It's healthy. That's what's meant to happen with our circadian rhythm, our body's natural clock. Our cortisol levels start to rise, and then they taper off in the afternoon around one or two. And we get that kind of like slump in the afternoon when we start to feel some fatigue. And that's usually when we'll reach for that second cup of coffee or an energy drink or an energy shot or something like that, because we start to feel that afternoon kind of dip in our energy. But it's really important that you understand that if you have another cup of coffee when your cortisol levels are supposed to be declining, that can have a really negative impact on your circadian rhythm. So I actually don't recommend to people having caffeine after 12 p.m. And there is going to be obviously the negative impacts on sleep having coffee after 7 p.m., especially if you're a slow metabolizer, because average caffeine half-life is seven hours. But if you're a slow metabolizer, it's going to be even longer, and that's going to drastically or negatively impact your sleep quality and your deep sleep which is really important for building muscle and burning fat. So yes, if you are a slow metabolizer of caffeine and you're having caffeine in the afternoon, it could be killing your gains. Absolutely. And that's just the conversation that I wanted to have with you guys today to understand that it's not just about how much caffeine. It's also about like what time of day you're having it and how much you're having and what type of person you are. Like what's your genotype that actually makes a difference. So me personally, as I mentioned, prioritize coffee or food, thought it was going to help with fat loss, but that spike in cortisol that you naturally have in the morning, even though it's beneficial, you're driving up those cortisol levels even higher if you have caffeine. And if you're a slow metabolizer and you haven't had any food, you may actually create gastric distress and it can actually heighten your anxiousness or anxiety and push you over the top where you're overstimulated and you actually have a hard time focusing and concentrating. Okay. Now I used to probably skip lunch too and have more coffee because I thought that was going to give me energy. But the truth is that I was just under eating and skipping meals and that was having a negative impact on my body to the point where I was catabolic and I would look back at pictures and I was 100% skinny fat. That's what I would kind of give my body type skinny fat, where I was preserving fat tissue primarily around my lower belly and my hips and my arms and legs were super, super skinny. So I was under eating, skipping meals. My gut health was a mess at that time as well. As you guys know, I was on antibiotics for a very long time as a teenager for acne, which was really just due to food intolerances that had definitely been ignored. And that gut health was leading to poor sleep and anxiety. Now, why would gut health lead to poor sleep and anxiety? Well, there is a very strong correlation 
between gut health and anxiousness. But on top of that, if you have leaky gut, basically your immune system is going to be activated and it will stimulate a stress response. And that stress response is going to have an effect on things like cortisol levels in the body and your other stress hormones. And that will lead to anxiousness and poor sleep quality. So your gut health actually has a very, very strong correlation to how well you're sleeping and your mood regulation, mood balance, and nervous system function. I also was fueling that vicious cycle with pre-workout, not ideal. So putting caffeine into your body when it has no proper nutrients is like stepping on the accelerator of your car with no fuel in the tank and expecting it to drive, right? You are, it's just going to, it's not really going to go anywhere. You're not going to get the gains that you're looking for in the gym. You're not going to be able to build muscle if you are training on an empty tank. You're stepping on the accelerator with no fuel in the tank. If you did that in your car, it's not going to go anywhere. The same with your fitness journey. You're not going to go anywhere if you're not fueling your body properly. Even worse, taking stimulants when you're underslept is like driving with the emergency brake on. That e-brake in your car, you pull that thing and you try and drive and all the like the alarm things go off and I've done it a million times, but taking stimulants when you're underslept is like driving with the emergency brake on. Being underslept means that you are a readily catabolic. You're going to be reaching for more calories, especially carbohydrates. You are impaired glucose metabolism and obviously less insulin sensitivity. So when you're underslept, that is not a good time to actually have caffeine, but it is the time that many of us will try to band-aid that. And that's why I want to ask you and you to ask yourself, like, why am I using the caffeine? Is it performance enhancing? Am I having it before my workout and it's helping me with my focus, my concentration, my energy, my endurance? Is it benefiting me? Am I having a cup of coffee before I record a podcast? Yes, I did. Because it helps me with my focus and concentration. Caffeine actually benefits my mental clarity. And there's lots of studies around that. But like I said, the slow metabolizer might get overstimulated and anxious and have a hard time finding their thoughts and articulating how they feel that slow metabolizer may also have a hard time in the gym with their mind-muscle connection because they're overstimulated and they're completely wired. And instead of being focused, they feel jittery. Does that make sense? So if you're underslept, you want to avoid coffee that day. I'm just straight up. That's the truth because you want your body to be able to stay in a non-stress state as much as possible if you've had less sleep than is ideal. And the, the fatigue that you're experiencing when you're underslept is a red flag. That's the like you're holding the emergency brake and trying to drive when you're underslept and putting caffeine in your body. Now, let's talk a little bit about where you're actually getting that caffeine from. I told you guys a little bit about my story, and I will also tell you, you know, when we get to the end of this podcast, my top three tips for you to be able to fuel your body properly to maximize your gains and the changes that I made in my life that have really helped me. But let's talk about where you're actually getting your caffeine from. And number one, is actually, I see a lot, is, is energy drinks. And to be completely fair, I don't know a lot about energy drinks, but I have brought as much information with me as I could kind of gather up that made sense. And I tried not to cherry pick evidence too much either, but I do know that the Food and Drug Administration doesn't regulate energy drinks the same way, actually, that a lot of supplements aren't regulated. Actually, I think like many, all supplements aren't regulated, which in some ways is negative, but in some ways is great because the FDA has a bunch of bullshit rules anyways, but they don't regulate energy drinks. So there could be anything in them and we don't really know how that's affecting the body. It's not well studied, right? But each of those individual ingredients are studied. Now, very studied sugar. There are so many studies on sugar. And one 
16 ounce can of Monster Energy contains 56 grams of sugar. And that's more sugar than you would get in two small dairy queen ice cream cones. Just sit on that for a second. Your one energy drink is more sugar than you would get from two small dairy queen ice cream cones. So if you are trying to lose weight, energy drinks that have sugar are not going to be your best friend. Now, on the other side of that, the sugar-free ones, I would argue, are even scarier because they are absolute the amount of artificial sweeteners in there to maintain that same level of sweetness as the sugar is going to drive up your body's insulin response looking for the sugar and then the sugar isn't there and that can create a profile of insulin resistance which leads to diabetes and weight gain so we do have to be very careful with artificial sweeteners and there's a lot of new studies and new science coming out now that are correlating artificial sweeteners to insulin resistance weight gain as well as gut dysbiosis all right so harming the beneficial bacteria in our gut i am would love to go down that rabbit hole further with artificial sweeteners but that's a podcast of its own Let's go to the next ingredient in most energy drinks, which is going to be niacin essentially, or nicotinic acid. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that entirely correctly, but the, the primary ingredient that they're getting in there is niacin, which is a water-soluble B vitamin, B3. I mean, B3 is good. It helps our body turn food into energy and helps with the function of the cells, but high doses of this acid can actually lead to liver damage. Now, this is more anecdotal, but I have a couple of friends who absolutely smash energy drinks and train really hard. And they have had blood work and been warned by their doctors that their liver enzymes are scary, right? And so it's important to understand that niacin will have an effect on liver function. So high doses of this nicotinic acid can actually damage the liver. And there, are, the Oregon State University suggests that liver toxicity can occur at doses as little as 500 to 750 milligrams per day. Now, how much niacin is actually in an energy drink? I think it depends on the brand, but Monster Energy, that one specifically is 40 milligrams, which isn't leading to this liver toxicity that Oregon State University suggested at five to 750 milligrams. You'd have to drink like 10 of them, which is a lot. But I think that over time, that buildup, if your body isn't detoxifying that niacin, that you would eventually overload or overburden the liver. And if you have poor gut health, because of the other ingredients in those energy drinks, like artificial sweeteners and flavors and additives. And even if you are drinking the ones that have sugar in them, then that's going to have a negative impact on your gut. And that gut to liver axis is very important. And when there's gut dysbiosis, it overburdens the liver. So we have an overburdened liver and we're pumping ourselves full of niacin. That's leading towards like liver toxicity and essentially liver damage. So we have to be careful with that. Now, again, 40 milligrams is still 200% of your recommended daily value. But you are also going to find like B3 or niacin in pre-workouts, right? So again, we just have to be mindful of how much of that we're getting in on a daily basis. We're taking breaks from it. Now, I don't, I don't actually know how quickly niacin leaves the body. And I think it would have to depend on the person. I don't think that that is going to be something that I can necessarily like pinpoint exactly. And I'd need to do a little bit more research there. But interesting to bring forward and something to think about. Now, the next ingredient that is actually great is taurine. And I've done an entire podcast on taurine and how it is a very important amino acid. Now it's common in energy drinks. It offers numerous health benefits, supports your metabolism, boosts physical performance, protects the musculoskeletal system, improves insulin sensitivity, fights brain aging, combats various conditions. I've done an entire podcast on it. However, taking taurine on its own or getting it from your food is very different than taking it with high doses of niacin, caffeine, sugar, artificial sweeteners, 
And arguably, we don't know if there's going to be a negative effect of having taurine in those in that combination because it's not well studied. We do know, however, that taurine is actually beneficial for the body. So that is, again, if we cherry-picked evidence and we wanted to make the argument that energy drinks are good for us, I could easily pull this and say that, yeah, taurine's great for you, but, or niacin, great for you, you know, B3, great for your body, good for metabolism. But we need to be able to look at that with the bigger picture and what else is coming along with it, the timing of it, your lifestyle, your diet, outside of those energy drinks, et cetera. So let's kind of go into the next place that you may be, I mean, we can talk about caffeine actually in these energy drinks. It's actually not as substantial as I thought when I started looking into it. One Red Bull contains 111 milligrams of caffeine against 37 grams of sugar, which is about the same as you'll find in a can of Coke. But Red Bull and a cup of coffee would be similar. Like an eight ounce cup of coffee is going to have approximately, it's between 80 and 95 milligrams of caffeine. So it's really similar. If we look at it, I think the one that was super high, I looked at a few of them. It was Rockstar. I believe Rockstar was like double. And they do have ones like I know that Rockstar Energy Drink also has like the lower caffeine and the high caffeine. So the actual amount of caffeine in those drinks wasn't overly alarming. Now, when it does concern me, is it when it's in the afternoon or evening, you hit that energy slump in the afternoon, you're fatigued, you haven't fueled your body properly throughout the day. Maybe you skip breakfast or skip lunch or had fast food for lunch. Your body's craving real food, real energy, real nutrients, and you're just giving it caffeine, which is again, it's like driving your body with that emergency break on. Something's going to break because you are stepping on the accelerator and you don't have the nutrients that your body needs. So the next place that we'll get caffeine from is likely pre-workout. Now, pre-workout, super popular. Lots of people dry scooping it, which I think is disgusting. Would personally never do that, but funny videos nonetheless. I remember watching one of like Kirsten Mark and I think there's a fan or something and she goes to dry scoop it and it literally just like blows all in her face. It was hilarious. I need to find the video. Anyways, total tangent. Let's talk about pre-workout. Really popular. does have the ability to enhance athletic performance. We can look at the different ingredients of pre-workout, things like creatine, caffeine, beta alanine, BCAAs, nitric oxide precursors. Those actually all support athletic performance. However, we have to look at these supplements again with the bigger picture to avoid potential adverse effects, and to take responsibility for our health. It's common for people to use pre-workout to get a pump at the gym, but here's the thing. If you're struggling to find energy in your workouts, there's likely another root cause, and we want to figure out what that is. If you're taking pre-workout in the morning, I would say that having a stimulant-based pre-workout is okay. Be careful how you combine that caffeine with coffee as well. I know that my partner, Tyler, he decided this morning that he didn't want to have a cup of coffee before the gym because he wanted to have pre-workout instead, which is a really responsible decision right? And you can see that people at a very high level, Tyler is a performance coach, that he understands the benefit of caffeine, but he also knows the negative consequences of too much. And so you also need as an individual to be able to make those empowered decisions. It is not like a hard rule of you can't do this or you shouldn't do that, but it's that empowered decision of, I know how my body feels if I have too much caffeine and I'm choosing to not to skip the coffee and have my pre-workout because I actually really like the pump that I I get from some of those nitric oxide boosters. So here's my thing. I don't think that you need pre-workout personally. If you have no fuel in the tank, you need to fuel yourself first. And general rule of thumb is one gram of carb per kilogram of body weight one hour before your workout. That's pretty simple. Simple carbs. I do Rice Krispies. I love them. I use salted caramel flavor of protein powder and I mix it with cashew milk and I pour it on my Rice Krispies and it's delicious. And I will eat that for my pre-workout meal for the rest of my entire life. That's not a promise, but it's very likely. 
So number one, you don't have fuel in the tank. You need to fuel your workout. If you haven't eaten in like four to five hours, have a small snack or something before you go to the gym. If you're crunched for time, you wake up super early and hit the gym right away. And you're like, I just don't have time to eat. Don't just smash pre-workout. You are stepping on the accelerator with an empty tank. Bad idea. What you would need to do in that situation is get yourself like a highly branched cyclic dextrin or an intra-carb workout that you can have in your water bottle so that your body has some carbs to utilize, okay? I love like a plain HBCD. I know that HD Muscle has an intra-workout supplement as well, but I know that it does have sucralose and that one didn't agree very well with my gut personally, but I just like the plain HBCD powder. That's my recommendation if you're in a bulking phase, if you are pinched for time and you need some carbs with your workout. Number two would be if you're tired, if you're underslept, if you've slept less than seven hours, you know, just having caffeine, it's like your body is screaming at you to rest. And now you're putting caffeine in and smashing it in the gym. You need to prioritize your sleep. Training in the evening with a stimulant is not a good idea. If that time of day, you're always tired, try and rearrange your schedule so you can train in the morning. If you have to train in the evenings, stimulant-free pre-workout My recommendation would be to possibly do some like intra workout carbs and throw some sea salt in your water bottle as well as like your pre workout water bottle and just do like a stimulant free pre workout powder or no pre workout powder. You could do essential amino acids with some sea salt in there for the electrolytes. That's really going to help with sodium concentrations in your blood, which will help to give you better blood volume and a better pump. So a little bit of sea salt does wonders for you. If you are dehydrated, Now, if you're dehydrated, first of all, you're going to be more catabolic, meaning you're going to break down muscle tissue. And secondly, if you are dehydrated, you're going to have a terrible time burning fat because we need water for that. I'm not going to get into the science of fat burning and why you need water, but it's just a very obvious thing that our body needs. If you're dehydrated and you're drinking less than one liter of water a day or less than two liters of water a day, stop taking pre-workout to get energy. Drink some water. It's going to enhance your natural energy levels tenfold. And if you're struggling to manage your stress, here's the fourth reason I wouldn't take pre-workout is that if you are overstimulated, anxious, you struggle with anxiety, you struggle to sleep, then pre-workout is not your friend. I would opt for a stim-free or no pre-workout at all. Just carb up, have some sea salt in your water, maybe some essential amino acids, and basically just eat your food and drink your water. Like that's going to be the biggest thing. Number five, if you're not warming up before your workout and you're just going in smashing some pre-work because you want to get like the workout tingles and feel warm, stop doing that. Do your warm up because it's really important for preventing injury, warming up muscles, muscle fiber recruitment, and you will be killing your gains. If you're smashing pre-workout with no fuel in the tank, you're underslept, you're dehydrated, you're struggling to manage stress, you're not warming up properly. Yes, if you're taking pre-workout, those are the situations that that pre-workout may actually be creating a catabolic environment in your body and killing your gains. So we want to optimize those five things before we even think about having any kind of stimulants in our routine. Now, the third place that you're going to be getting caffeine from is coffee. And there's a large body of evidence that suggests that consumption of caffeinated coffee does not increase the risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer. A lot of, you know, kind of rumors, myths out there saying that coffee is bad for you. I would say drinking coffee with a ton of cream and a bunch of sugar, yeah, not the greatest for you, but standard cups of coffee, just black coffee, cups, three to five standard cups of coffee has been consistently associated with a reduced risk of several chronic diseases. And I mentioned that at the beginning of this podcast, caffeine is a performance and endurance enhancer, and it also strengthens muscle contraction and reduces perception of pain. And it also increases fatty acids in the blood, which will support our endurance and fat loss. So I would say that a small amount of caffeine is good, but overdoing it, bad. There is what I would call an inverse relationship with caffeine. 
where we get to this point of stimulation where we are reaching the, that bell curve where it's beneficial. It's strengthening the muscle contractions. It is increasing fatty acids in the blood. It is enhancing our endurance and performance. It's in improving our mental clarity. And then we reach the other side of that, that bell curve. So if you think about it like an inverse U-shape, we hit that peak where it's like optimal. And then we start to slide down that slippery slope on the other side when we overdo it. And too much of a, anything, even a good thing, is going to become a negative thing, right? Same with caffeine. Too much of it is going to have that negative effect. You're going to be driving your stress hormones to the point of muscle catabolism and fat preservation. You're likely going to be overstimulating and creating anxiousness. Now, being anxious isn't just you know giving you the jitters. It's also affecting your relationships. That's a huge one. If you're anxious and overstimulated, you'll be more reactive, less responsive, and likely more argumentative and combative in your relationships. So you also have to look at this like at a, the big picture, right? We're not just cherry picking evidence here. We're looking at you, your lifestyle, and how to optimize you as an individual so that you can evolve into the best version of yourself possible. So take this information and try to incorporate it into your life in a way that makes sense for you. So if you want to maximize your gains, prioritize these three things. Make sure that you're eating breakfast and not drinking coffee on an empty stomach in the morning and have a balanced, a well-balanced breakfast. So prioritize your protein fats and yes, don't fear your carbs, have those too. I would not recommend coffee before food or instead of food. Now, I would also say that we don't want to be reaching for caffeine in the afternoon and that's going to lead me into number two, which is dial in a sleep schedule that allows you to get proper recovery, at least seven hours of uninterrupted sleep. I would say no caffeine after 12 p.m. to optimize your circadian rhythm and sleep cycles and also to prevent you from being overstimulated when you're trying to go to sleep. And then optimize your gut health by avoiding processed food, avoiding things like energy drinks that can cause gut dysbiosis, avoiding too much sugar, because gut dysbiosis will cause that immune response that triggers a release of cortisol, blocks deep sleep and aggravates the nervous system, which will leave you feeling very tired and wired. Tired and wired is a very, very often a symptom of leaky gut. So by focusing on those three simple things, you're likely able to still enjoy coffee and maintain a healthy balance for your stress hormones. So let's just go back through those. Number one, make sure that there's no coffee before food or instead of food, that you're dialed into your sleep schedule, and you're also making sure that you are not having caffeine in the afternoon. If you're using pre-workout in the afternoon, it's dim-free. Optimize your gut health, so reduce your processed food, reduce your sugar, which means reducing those energy drinks as well. And uh, that is going to help you with reducing the gut dysbiosis, which will help you to have a better regulation of your nervous system and that will help you to get better quality sleep, better recovery, and essentially more gains, which is the goal, right? All right, you guys, that's it for today. I hope that you had fun and learned something new. Thank you for hanging out with me and lending me your ears. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the E3 podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E3 podcast. I had so much fun sharing my knowledge with you and I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you found value in this episode, the number one thing that you can do to support the show is share this episode on your social media platforms or leave a review. If you'd like to find out about the lifestyle programs I offer online, go to healthpillars.ca and click apply today to fill out an application for coaching. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Peace, love, and personal growth.